0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the conversation. I am your sometimes host, Francesca Fiorentini. I hope you're very, very good, because I am so excited for my first guest, who is a drag queen and an intersectional environmentalist. Yeah, we're going to learn all about that. Please welcome, Patty Gonia, everybody.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: Patty, you um, are clearly crushing every (laughs) Zoom meeting. Ever, although I feel like you don't really zoom meet um, because you're mostly outdoors. Um, how are you? Tell me about your look? Tell me about is this is this regular as an average day? Is this a walk in the park? Is this a hike?
1: You know, this is like twenty pounds of makeup on my face, but we are we are trudging through it. Um, but yeah, my my look today is inspired by a strawberry finch, um, which is a bird that I love, native to India. I think that birds are drag queens. So I figured, why not have the drag queen be a
2: bird?
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it, although I'm always jealous because it's always like the male bird that's like really fly, mm. um and then the female See? bird just like,, <laughs>
1: there we go right it's
0: drag yeah, queen. yeah the- <laughs> is exact exactly right, and in fact, you know I mean, if you don't know Patagonia, you should follow her on Instagram and it's just such a beautiful array of you being an outdoors woman and 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 also a drag queen. How did you invent and create this persona? What led you here, and yeah, what is it like?
1: Yeah, so Patty happened very much by accident. I was out backpacking with some friends, packed some high heels into the outdoors and took a little video and it went viral. And, you know, we're all accustomed to viral moments nowadays, but I think a really kind of like second coming out was happening behind the scenes with me. Um, grew up in Nebraska, grew up in the Midwest, never did drag before, never wore high heels before. So that was a really freeing moment and it happened for me in the outdoors. And, um, I think the traditional narrative is often to run to cities for acceptance as a queer person. But I've really found my true self in the outdoors. And so trying to create community in the outdoors, trying to create community around climate. And it's been so much fun um, to do so. And it's been really beautiful and really unexpected. And um, my community just kicks butt and they're incredible. And they're full of so many different queer people from all different walks of life in the outdoors. So I'm happy to be walking next to them.
0: That's awesome. And I introduced you as an intersectional environmentalist. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase, but I don't really know what it means. So what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, Um, intersectional environmentalism, I feel like just just means bringing your whole self to the environmental movement. I think we're often told that we have to do this, or we have to do that, or we have to be perfect in these categories. Or if we're not doing this, it's all for nothing. Um, And I'm a huge fan of imperfect action, I'm a huge fan of taking strides and standing up for something, knowing you what you believe in and fighting for our planet, no matter what that means for you. Um, and oftentimes that means intersecting your identity, intersecting your culture, intersecting the work that's available to you and only to you. So for me, mm-hmm. that's dragging the outdoors, but maybe for you that means. Uh, lacing in your culture as a Latinx person in the kitchen to do a more zero waste uh, like customs in the kitchen. Maybe that means uh, you doing something completely else. So I really love thinking about intersectionalism um, and environmentalism is is a way where you can merge all the parts of you um, into the environmental movement.
0: That's awesome. And especially because I think as the environmental movement, maybe a few years ago I feel like now there is much more of a racial justice, you know, mm. uh angle, but yeah. it's been traditionally seen especially the role of the outdoors person is like a white guy who's like him against the world, you know, bear grills, yeah. whatever whatever. And yeah. I know you've used your platform and your your own personal discovery to like lift up and disrupt that idea of who gets to play outdoors. And who is mm-hmm. the like protagonist. So like, what are, yeah. what are those ways that you've lifted up those voices, um, folks from marginalized communities, maybe some um, of the, uh, yeah, just the initiatives and the work that you've been involved in?
1: Yeah, completely. I think we can't forget that uh, the people that are most affected by climate change issues are oftentimes BIPOC people or queer people, um, the most marginalized um, of us. Um, I think you look at LA, for example, and you see toxic chemical plants and processing plants next to communities that are almost all BIPOC. And so I think that like it's really important to one, listen to voices that are oftentimes BIPOC and queer in the environmental movement. But two, it's my role as someone who is queer but also holds a, shit, a ton of privilege in the outdoors. <laughs> two, step up for other people that are oftentimes uh like not necessarily white and male as well out of drag. So yeah, really excited to do the work together and to and to listen to you listen to the voices and try to lift them up.
0: And can I just ask, you have done like strenuous hikes in a full mm. beat of makeup. Oh, what yeah. is that like? Like how does it hold up? Do you bring just endless towelettes, like, and what is the difference between like just regular hiking and drag hiking?
1: A mm, great question. <laughs> um, I do love to hike in my high heels often. Sometimes my drag is just my high heel boots, but sometimes it is the full base beat. Um, you know, it's a journey all the time. We definitely get like you know the tear action because powder is running in my eye. Um, <laughs> but really, I try to like bring like drag in the outdoors to so just have fun. I think we. Are so serious in the outdoors all the time. And we think it's just like you said, such this monolith of like male masculine energy. And I think that mother nature is just that mother and it's feminine, we should have fun and embrace our femininity as well. So that's what I'm here yeah. to do. And I totally like commend any woman or female identifying person to you that goes out in a full beat, all the power to you.
0: <laughs> Your calves must be insane. That's all I, I have to have say. Like, cats.
1: <laughs> I do have good cats. I will tell you high that hiking
0: in high heels—I can't even walk in high heels, in high heels
1: yep, let alone yeah, hike. It's fun. My God, it's fun um, and it's a disaster.
0: But it is, and and like, and again, it, it like the photography is incredible too, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and everything that you stage. Are you involved in the staging of a lot of those photos? Um, how do you, how does that collaboration come together?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just that like anything I do uh, with Patty is a, is a collaborative effort. It's rarely ever just me. So I'm super thankful to work with a lot of creatives that are really using their artistic ability to do intersectional environmental work through their photography, or through their videography, um, or through the group hike tours that we run. Um, I'll invite other guest speakers out. So it's, it's a really fun time to get to like all through our creativity and our energy into, into making community for people in the outdoors,
0: That's awesome. And I understand that you've worked with a big sponsor actually of TYT, which is Aspiration, Mm, a green finance company, um, a bank that uh, invests money in things that are not polluting our environment or not contributing to climate change. What's been your work with Aspiration like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that like living a green lifestyle is wonderful. But if you're still with a big bank, it's kind of uh, a lot for nothing because your money is going directly to the industries that you're actively in protest of. Um, most all big banks invest in the fossil fuel industry, which is something that I'm really trying my best to um, to really like learn more about and honestly like not support. And so I first started with Plant Your Change, which is a uh, program that aspiration um, like utilizes that basically uses your change to plant trees, um, so anyone from any bank can can use it, and I think it's it's an amazing accessible solution that lets you make daily impact every day. And then when I started with Plant Your Change, I eventually switched my money to Aspiration. Because it's just a better banking alternative in every single way. They care, they have the ethics that match my own ethics and they just they really care about their customers. And I think that we need to also be thinking about big business solutions as much as our daily life solutions. So this is something that lets me do both.
0: Absolutely. I've I have my money in a um like a credit union. And I don't really have any investments. Do you? Do you know if Aspiration also does investments, so you can actually invest in things like green renewable energy and take it out of the fossil fuel industry?
1: Yeah, I know they're they're looking to grow Aspiration in about every way they can. And I think the investments are, are a big way that they're they're hoping to do so in the future. Um, yeah, I think Aspiration is uh, so forward thinking, and they're they're constantly thinking from every angle about how to just be as ethical as possible when it comes to our dollars and how we can invest sure. our money in, in responsible ways.
0: Yeah. Can I just ask? This is so random, but I know it's also hard yeah. to find ethical makeup. Mm-hmm. I find sometimes the best stuff is not mm-hmm. always sustainable. What is how what's your balance with that when you're trying to make this look? Which by the way, you're gorgeous. I love Thank you're, you. you're so pretty. Thank you. And I love your the Thank hair. You. It's gorgeous.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm wearing my Ariana pony today. But yes. uh Yeah, listen, okay, like this is a perfect opportunity to talk about um. Just kind of like the dichotomy we face when it's like oftentimes really like high lasting, long-lasting products versus you know, the ethical option. I'm trying to practice ethics with my makeup and only buying what I need, um, because that's something I can always control um, if I can't control the production of it. So buying what I need, not over not overusing, not over buying. And then also just looking into like what are options that I can buy? If I can't buy something that's ethical, can I purchase from a BIPOC brand? Can I purchase from a queer owned brand? So thinking about those options as well.
0: Absolutely! Oh my God, you look also kind of like Bambi with your like dewy. Yeah, you know, it's a little, little
1: like you know the the freckles. It's a Bambi moment. It's a it's a bird <laughs> Bambi mix. An intersectional mix.
0: I love it. It's amazing. Okay, yes, buying only what you need, Francesca. No more lipstick. I have enough. Thank you so <laughs> much, Patagonia, for being with us. I love this. Um, please, everyone, check out her Instagram and her work and find out about her group hikes. Um, anything else to plug, Patty?
1: No, I'm just super stoked for everyone to join in and to think that uh, joining the environmental movement is oftentimes easier than you think. And this is the only planet with the Beyonce on it, so we gotta advocate for it.
0: <laughs> there is no planet B Beyonce. This is, <laughs> I was trying to make that work. Eh, to you, everybody, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Take good care of Thanks yourself. Thanks having me. Welcome back to the conversation. I'm your sometimes host Francesca Fiorentini. My next guest is the Vice Mayor of Culver City and a community organizer. Please welcome Daniel Lee. Daniel, thanks for being here.
2: Thanks for having me Francesca. I'm very happy to be here and looking forward to the conversation.
0: I meant to intro you as also running to be a state senator in District 30, which is the big news that the primary is in March. Uh, Mail-in ballots are in February, as you just told me and I'm pretending like I researched and know all about. Um, Tell tell me about this race. Tell me about District 30 and why you want to go to Sacramento, really? (laughs)
2: Uh, Yeah, um, it's interesting that you ended that way because I actually, uh, I went to Sacramento quite some time ago, um, believe it or not, as a private security guard uh, and uh, it was not the best experience in the world. Um, the job was fine. I was actually incredibly bored in Sacramento, no offense Sacramento people. <laughs> um, uh, but like uh, in the context of like the type of work that I'm very uh, focused on, which is really focused on the working class, focused on addressing the climate crisis and environmental racism, focused on really bringing single payer to as many people as possible. Uh, I think I can do a better job of that. In Sacramento versus Culver City. And in this race, you know, there's uh, an assembly member who I've supported in the past, but who, you know, is to the right of me. Uh, And then there is among the Democratic contenders, uh, Cheryl Turner, uh, who is a Democratic activist who is to the right of my contender, um, Mm. the assembly member. And then there are some Republicans. And uh, there's a piece of Peace and Freedom Party member as well, uh, but really this this race is about Sydney Comlagerdov and who organizes well enough to like compete with her.
0: Yeah, and you have a lot of um, progressive creds uh, to your campaign. Uh, the Sunrise Movement it has endorsed you. You've just agreed to not take any oil and gas money um, or big corporate donations. Um, you are also on the board of move to amend, so I assume that you believe in just generally getting money out of politics. Um, you've also agreed to not take any real estate development money. What, what's the importance of a candidate like yourself in the state senate uh, or, or running for state senate to to make these kinds of pledges?
2: I think it's super important in the context of like the material conditions that people deal with day to day. I actually had a candidate interview earlier with Unite here, Local 11, and they mostly represent people who work in janitorial services, people who work in hotels, you know, people who work in a variety of very service oriented industries, and that's a lot of the population of District 30. A lot of the population is black and Latino working class people in South LA in mid city and downtown Los Angeles. And those are the people who've to some degree, really been left out of the equation or out of consideration in Sacramento, you know, for twenty or thirty years. there have been small wins here and there. Um, but when you know the big things come before you know the powers that be, they're mm-hmm. usually cast aside. And the one thing that I'll mention, I tried to push forward like uh, uh, an employee retention bill here in uh, Culver City. Uh, and me and my colleague Megan Solly Wells were in favor. Uh, the LACD council voted in favor 15 to 0 to rehire hotel workers uh, who had previously established you know, seniority um, and skill uh, after the pandemic, which I thought was uncontroversial. Uh, and mm-hmm. the same bill passed on the state level and the assembly and the Senate and the governor vetoed it. Wow,
0: I mean, I think for me, the importance of someone like you not accepting oil and gas money is that actually, in the state senate, there are a lot of um, legislators who have accepted oil and gas money. It's the biggest lobby in this state, um, despite all of our uh, maybe not so deserved progressive accolades. Uh, we've got a lot of fossil fuel money throughout Sacramento and and in the state legislature right now. So I think that's incredibly important. And I know that. Um, in your in the district you're running in 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 District 30, um, you've also spoken a lot about environmental racism. What would you want to do on a statewide level uh, about that issue? And I don't know, could we see a Green New Deal, a California Green New Deal? What are your thoughts?
2: Definitely, I, don't, I think the Green New Deal, frankly, is the first step. We need a whole lot more than that. And Culver City, we work to close down the portion of the Inglewood oil field that resides in Culver City. But 90% is in unincorporated LA County, which means that we need county officials working with state officials to close down the rest of it. Throughout the district in places like around the University of Southern California, where I did my undergrad, where I'm doing my doctorate at the current moment. There. are are numerous sites where there's oral extraction, you know, right next to people's homes, right next to apartment buildings. And that's the type of thing that we need to phase out. That's the type of Democrat that we need to push out, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I was in my discussions with the Sunrise Movement, whose endorsement I'm happy to have. I'm happy to announce today that we've also secured the endorsement of Food and Water Watch Action. And we're hopeful to uh, bring other environmental groups on board. But you know, my, my discussions are like, you know, there are basically Democrats in our current state legislature who might as well be like Republicans from 1986. Like there is like, you know, no substantive difference. It's like they are Reagan Republicans who call themselves Democrats because they say the right things when it comes to social issues, even though don't they don't even act on those. But their fiscal policies do not support progressive issues.
0: Yeah, um, I I just want to ask you about your time in the Culver City City Council. Um, in 2018, you were elected, and you were the first African American to sit on that City Council in Culver City's entire history, I believe. Correct me if that's wrong. What did that's that right. mean? I mean, that's incredible. And what did, what did that mean for you? And how were you able to represent the Black community that is there? Um, and, and just what what kinds of issues did you bring to the table? What was that? You Know what was that like?
2: Well, uh, this might be a controversial reaction, but for me, it meant a lot. Uh, but I want to sort of diminish it. Uh, I, I don't think it should mean as much as you know, sometimes people want to make it. Like, uh, uh this year I worked with and helped. The campaign of Yasmin Imani McMorran, who's the first African American female who's been elected to the LA City Council. But in the context of us working on that campaign, I was like, we need to be done with first. It's the 21st century, you know. Like I should have been the, or someone like me should have been the first African American male elected to the Culver City Council in like 1981. The fact (laughs) that it had to happen in 2018 is 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 basically just like deplorable. Um yeah. So, so like we shouldn't like,
0: even be celebrating that. That's sort of that's how pitiful it is. I mean, it's it's a it's good, but it's like just the slowest clap of like. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> it, it, it's like getting your In and Out burger like after 30 minutes. You know, when your friend has to wait 35 minutes, and it's like this is a win. Sort of. <laughs> um, but you know, like it's not really a win. It's like this should have happened a long time ago, and you know, I, I think that's how we need. our California Democratic Party, which gets more credit than it deserves on the national level, to move forward on things like addressing climate change, like phasing out fossil fuels, like building housing for people Mm -hmm. in California, specifically in the 30th district that they can actually afford.
0: Yeah, I wanted to pick up on that because I think a lot of people are looking to the state legislature now that Um, I believe rent control was not passed, right? Sort of a very minimal step toward California rent control in our most recent slew of propositions. In addition to approving Prop 22 giving, I think as people know, Uber and other companies uh, this sort of opt out when it comes to classifying their employees as employees. but on the homelessness and housing crisis issue, what is what are your thoughts on the importance of real estate and the real estate lobby and industry, and what we can do to divest from that? I know you've done some work in thinking around it.
2: Yeah, on on a very small level, one, I think we need much stronger renter protections. AB 1482 was a step in the right direction, but as you said, Prop 21 failed to bring stronger renter protections to all renters in California. Also, I'm very proud that we don't accept developer money and real estate money, but we need to go farther in terms of the type of bills that we bring forward in the state legislature. A lot of them have been developer focused, and they focus on Increasing the number of units that are produced and developed, but they don't focus on enough on anti-displacement measures that will keep the people who are most who are most rent burdened, who are most mortgage burdened, mm-hmm. from having to actually pay fifty to seventy percent. The rent burden is, you know, classified as thirty percent of more, but. I know people who pay 50 to 70 percent of their monthly income on rent or mortgage, and that's just unacceptable, but it goes hand in hand with actually raising wages. And we need to get away from this, you know, talk about both the fight for 15 and the minimum wage, and get mm-hmm. back to talking about the living wage, because the 15 dollars an hour, that might be great where I was born and where I grew up in Alabama and Florida. But you know, 15 dollars an hour in L.A. County, that's a poverty wage. That's what it is. We need yeah. a living wage.
0: Absolutely, Daniel Lee, Vice Mayor of Culver City, community organizer, just such a an incredible history. You've done so much, and I'm really excited for your campaign running for State Senate in here in California, in District 30. Best of luck to you.
2: Thank you, and thank you for having me tonight.
0: And and just one last thing, how can we? How can people find out more about your campaign?
2: You can go to danielwaynelee.com to find out more about my campaign. We also have a great video that's up on YouTube and a very good feature today in Los Angeles Magazine. Nice,
0: awesome, thank you so much Daniel, take good care.